What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. On today's episode, I have Chris, also known as The Wise Keto on Instagram. Um, We dive into um, his history with all of the things he struggled with, uh, body dysmorphia, eating disorder, how he came to keto. Um, He really just kind of goes deep into his story. We talk a lot about how he um, was passionate about football, um, was really deep into football, and then got a a severe injury that caused him to kind of have to give up his football career that in turn kind of um, led him to dealing with body image issues, eating disorders, things like that. So this was a great episode. Um, Chris is now an inspiration. He started keto in March and has had great success, Um, but he really just wants everyone to know that he is passionate about the lifestyle change, that keto is not a diet for him, that it's truly about changing your life. So let's dive into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Today we have a new sponsor to the KCL Keto Corner podcast. Further Food is a woman-ran company. Um, Ashley, Lillian, and Allegra, they all have had personal experiences with chronic illness. They decided to create real food-based supplements that help promote optimal health and wellness. Um, Their products are sold around the world. They consist of things like collagen, gelatin, turmeric, all things that help with gut, hair, skin, nails, joints, and promote um, healthy living. Did you know that collagen makes up 90% of the connective tissue in the body, 90% of the organic bone mass that we have, as well as 70% of the skin? This is huge. And what is crazy is in our 20s, our collagen levels decrease. We don't get enough in our diet, which is why they promote their collagen supplement that is grass-fed, pasture-raised, and organic. It is sugar-free, flavorless, um, and amazing quality. What I typically do is add a packet of their their to-go packets to my coffee, froth it real quick. It makes my coffee really creamy and yummy, and I don't even notice that I'm taking a supplement. So if you guys want to check out further foods, you can click the link in the show notes, um, and you can also use Keto Coach Lauren to save 10% off of your order as well. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, Lauren. Good. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for taking the time out to record with me. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to kind of um, get people to hear your story. I know we just recently started interacting on social media um, together, and then when I... um, I think it was my body dysmorphia talk that kind of got your attention and you shared that you struggle with the same thing, right? Yeah, for sure. It was just a few weeks ago that you posted that and that really caught my attention because that's definitely been something in my past that I've struggled with too. That's awesome. Well, it's always admirable to me when men can come out and speak about it because, um, you know, the, the speech that I did on the cruise Uh, The statistic that I had in the talk was that more men actually suffer with body dysmorphia than women do. So, um, but they don't talk about it. That is the, uh, (laughs) that's the the drawback. So I admire you for speaking out and wanting to talk about it uh, and 
make you know make it more aware so yeah for sure I think it's kind of like men's best kept secret a little bit even when you're in the best of shape you're always still comparing yourself to others and not feeling like you're good enough yeah yeah so let's kind of dive into your history um I want people to learn more about you and kind of um you know where these issues came from so I was reading your blog post you sent me you pretty much uh, gave me you gave me a lot of info you have had you've been through a rough last couple years huh yeah for sure it's been um it's been rough since high school kind of on and off um but yeah the last couple of years really piled it on for sure let's start with um with your high school experience let's share about that um what exactly happened yeah absolutely so um I was a football player in high school started playing uh probably around seventh grade and then was recruited into the high school that I wound up going to um I played for like the junior player development in the NFL when I was in like the seventh, eighth grade and was coached really well then. And that led into my high school career and had a pretty amazing high school career playing football. I was an offensive lineman. So um, naturally I was bigger. By the time I was uh, a junior in high school, I think I was six foot three, 315 pounds roughly. um, And was being recruited pretty heavily for college to play ball. And then my senior year, I actually wound up having a pretty severe back injury that I didn't want to admit to at first. I kind of, you know, I, I was carted off the field and in an ambulance and all that stuff and went for x-rays and all of that. And they at first determined it was just kind of like a muscle sprain. So I took a couple of weeks off and went to rehab and did some physical therapy and stuff like that. And then being stupid like I was thinking I was Superman, I, uh, I went back to playing. And probably, I don't know if it was as bad when it first happened, but definitely made it worse when I went back to playing. And then wound up just slowly declining physically. Um, and wound up not being able to stand up straight, lost wow. a lot of feeling in my right leg. Um, and then finally was consulted with a spinal surgeon who did MRIs and realized that I had broken uh, three of my vertebrae and ruptured two of my discs in my lumbar spine. Mm-hmm. So I had to go in at 18 for spinal surgery. Oh, wow. That is rough. Yeah. I mean, so that ended my football career. And uh, that kind of started a lot of my like physical issues. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's, I mean, that's huge, especially when you, um, I mean, football is all you know. Uh, that's, that's a big turnaround yeah I mean it was kind of like who I was it was how I identified you know whenever I walked in the room like everyone identified me as the football player you know Mm -hmm. the big guy yeah Yeah. so it was kind of hard losing that at such a young age it was it was like losing my identity really yeah I mean you probably had thought that you would go to college for it maybe even like you know eventually hopefully go to NFL I I would assume if you were so passionate about it Right. That was definitely in my mind. That's what um, that's what the mindset was that I was going to football was my chosen path and I was going to be on that road. It's funny, actually, in in retrospect, there was uh, I wasn't like the best student, I guess, in high school. Um, I was always I did well enough, but I never really tried very hard because football was just kind of like my whole life at that point. And um, I remember like a week before I think it was a week or two weeks before my injury. Um, there was like parent teacher conferences and my history teacher actually said to my mom that 
I was such a bright student, but I didn't apply myself at all. And he said to her, he's like, what are you going to do if the gridiron goes away? And I remember being like, well, why would you even stay? And then two weeks later, I had that injury. And so it had just so happened that the gridiron did go away. And I didn't know what to do with myself after that. Yeah, so you kind of had to reevaluate and uh, and kind of figure out who you were outside of football. See, I, I share a similar story um, with like my career. So my um, passion for the longest time was dental assisting. I loved dentistry. I loved children's dentistry and orthodontics and things like that, helping people feel comfortable about their smiles. And um, I worked in dentistry for four years. I was a hard worker for the longest time. And um, when we decided to uh, get pregnant and have our son, I ended up giving that job up, giving up my career to be a stay-at-home mom and lost myself because I was always the driven girl, the working girl that, you know, I worked three jobs at one time to kind of, um, you know, save the money up, buy a house and all of those things. And so being a stay at home mom, I was like, I have no idea what to do with myself other than raise my kid. And I still don't know how to raise a kid. Like I was learning (laughs) as I was going. So yeah, that's definitely a learn on the job kind of a thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, like I lost myself in that. And aside from that, like gaining over a hundred pounds too, like I lost myself beneath the weight loss and beneath giving up my career. So I completely understand where you're coming from when it comes to like losing yourself and your identity. So um, how did you kind of come out of that? Like what, what was the next step for you? So, um, yeah, I mean, like when you, like you were saying, when you lose your, um, when you lose that like identity that you've, you know, come to know and, and relate to, uh, it's, it's really hard. That takes a big toll. And, I definitely went into like a deep depression after that. Um, so I actually wound up not having my surgery until after my freshman year of college was over. So I went through my whole freshman year of college um, and met my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, my first semester of that. And she really, she was like a rock for me. She really helped me through um, all of the pain. I really couldn't get out of bed a lot of the days to go to classes and stuff like that. So she would get my, we happened to be in the same major. So she would get like the work that I needed and bring me the stuff that I needed and all that stuff. But yeah, it was definitely like a dark time. And um, I was always muscular and, you know, an athlete. So, but then once that stopped, it kind of all just turned to emotional eating. And I never really put on weight. I just kind of like transformed the weight that I had. I lost a lot of the muscle that I had and just a lot of it turned into fat. And I was still definitely well over 300 pounds, um, but a way different 300 pounds by the end of that freshman year when I had my surgery. Um, yeah, but that dark, that dark mental place um, really takes a toll. So what I, what I did kind of like transitioning, I, I figured to myself, like, I, I still love sports. I still want to be involved in sports. So I got into photojournalism, actually, as in my major and art more specifically. I have my bachelor's in fine arts and uh, with a concentration in photography. So that was kind of what I threw myself into. And I just forgot about everything else and became absorbed with photography and shooting sports and still being able to be on the field, even though I wasn't playing. Yeah. So you still got to kind of, um, you know, 
have a part of your passion there, even though you weren't the one actually on the on the field playing, which I mean, I guess that that's pretty much the safest route possible. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that, that's what I thought in my mind. It was uh, the only way that I could be on the field without injuring myself more. <laughs> so you're so you're a photographer. Is that something you still do now? Um, it's something that I did for all through college. And I actually, uh, it was my first career. I was, um, I don't know if this is going to be one of your future questions, but I guess I can go into it now. I, uh, I was a photojournalist for the New York Mets. Actually, I was their assistant to the head photographer for three years out of college. And yeah, I loved what I was doing. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and really my true passion is photography, but uh, in 2013, um, my mom wound up getting really sick. She had a type of cancer for like 10 years. She had CLL, which is a type of leukemia, but it's not a very aggressive leukemia. And then all of a sudden, um, she just wasn't feeling so great one day and went for a checkup and her numbers were all very elevated. And it turns out that it had metastasized to her lungs. Wow. And then we also found out that it metastasized to her brain. So she, after getting that diagnosis, she only made it for another year before passing away. I'm so uh, sorry to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. And that was a big, uh, another big turning point in my life. Um, my mom was a nurse her whole life. She loved it. It's all she ever wanted to do. And she did it from the moment she, you know, the moment she graduated high school at that time, you didn't really need to go for a four year degree. So she went for her two year associate's degree and started working right away, worked for, um, 10 years in the emergency department and then another five years in an ICU and then got into quality insurance when I was born, which is more like a, a regular eight to four kind of a job mm -hmm. rather than 12 hour shifts. Um, so after she passed, I made it my mission that I was going to kind of honor her and walk in her footsteps. So I returned to school and actually got my bachelor's in nursing oh, and wow. I've been doing, yeah, I've been doing that ever since, but photography is definitely still my passion. I love the creative part of my brain. Do you still do photography on the side? I, I do. I still do it on the side. And uh, I've been doing nursing now for the last, uh, I guess, three and a half years now. I've been working at a hospital. But yeah, photography still, I'm doing that on the side. I'm uh, kind of I will say, back to that full time, I think. Oh, good. Well, that's yeah. awesome. I'll say, um, you know, earlier this week, I started following your wife on Instagram and I'm like, oh, she's got an Instagram husband. He's good at pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for I'm sure. Assuming, I'm assuming you're behind the uh, the camera most time. So you do a good job. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, her page is uh, my little like outlet for my creative side. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. So um, with losing your mom, I think in the, the blog post that I read, that kind of sent you into a another kind of darkness. Is that right? It is, yeah. So um, that really kind of just, I guess, you know, like skeletons in your closet, like you can put them in there, but they just kind of creep back out when you have another kind of big hit in your life. And I think that was another big hit in my life, um, probably the biggest. And everything just kind of crept back out and I became very reliant on food as like an emotional crutch during that time and put yeah. on a lot. I had lost a little bit of weight just from being active with the photography and, um, and I got into like working out again and I was kind of like starting to get my like 
my life back because I was fully cleared uh, after my back surgery to, to work out and stuff. I just couldn't play anything that was contact sports anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was kind of like getting back on track. And then that was a big blow. And I wound up just reverting back to my old habits of emotionally eating and kind of like, I, I don't really like deal with things the best yeah. way that happen. I just kind of like tuck it away and use crutches to get through. Yeah, which uh, honestly, I feel like that's, that's a lot of that's the majority of the world. It's just that it's recognizing it. People don't want to recognize that that's what they're doing. Or sometimes they can't. And they're just like, I don't know why I'm like this. I don't know what I'm doing. But the fact that you came to terms with the fact that you, you knew like, that that was how you dealt with things. You just, you just returned to food. I mean, I did the same exact thing. I dealt with a very stressful job. Um, the, the job that I was in, I loved my career. I loved being a dental assistant, but the environment that I worked in was beyond toxic. Um, and that's kind of how I started gaining weight was I dealt with the emotions from that job just with food. Like, you know, I was, I've said it numerous times. I was the person that would like have a crappy day at work and I'd go to a fast food restaurant, eat all the food, throw the trash away, go home to my fiance and, um, be like, all right, what's for dinner? You know? So yeah, I definitely know where you're coming from with that. Cause nursing is the same way. And I feel like that's kind of the, one of the reasons why I'm, tr- I want to start to transition out of it. Um, mm-hmm. Or might have to transition out of it, actually. But, yeah, no, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Because that's, when you're in that environment, it's just, you need to, some escape. And food is a, an easy way to do it. <laughs> it really is. I, and I can imagine nursing being a exactly like the environment I was in. Because you have the stigma that, like, I feel like, I feel like it's very rare that you find an office or a place where everyone works as a team. It's almost like everybody's looking out for themselves and yep. um, the pressure sure. of that I'm sure can, can really get to you. So, um, so then after the whole nursing, um, I think I read that you guys ended up getting married. Is that right? You got married and then had your first child. Yeah, we actually, I, we got married while I was in nursing school. Um, oh. Yeah. So adding on top of everything of life changing and all of that, we decided to get married. I like doing things like all at once. So yeah, yeah we got married during the time while I was in nursing school. And then um, we got pregnant with Harper. Um, I think I had already been working for about a year okay. after. So yeah, so a year after we got married. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and how you guys are expecting another one we'll go ahead and throw that in there you're expecting your second child yes yes in november that's so awesome are you ready to be a dad of two uh i think so (laughs) i don't really i guess i won't know until they're both here but um Uh i'm excited about it for sure and you you said before when we were talking uh prior to recording that y'all are not going to find out the gender which is so that would drive me nuts (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just we decided that um, we decided we weren't going to find out. We uh, actually had um, Erica had a miscarriage. Erica's my wife. She had a miscarriage right before getting pregnant this time. So cool. we decided that once that everything was, we found out that our, everything was healthy with the baby and everything. We decided that we don't need to know. We just want to. We're just so happy to to be blessed with another child that yeah. we're going to find out the day of. 
Gotcha. Wonderful. Yeah. I wish you guys the best of luck. That's so, so awesome. I don't know if baby number two will be in the book in in the plan for us. Uh, we'll we'll see. Not right now, though. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it definitely wasn't in the plan at first for us either. But uh, it creeps into your mind after a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. So, um, talking about kids and parents and kind of how like you know how life changes when you become a parent. I feel like, um, I feel like marriage is one of those things that like your life changes drastically and you get comfortable. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but, um, with being a parent and kind of learning that, did you experience any kind of like relapse in weight gain or kind of, you know, yes. so actually that? that was for sure. That was, um, that was kind of when I realized, um, I had that like awakening experience, I guess, because um, me and my wife, like I said, we we met my freshman year of college. So by the time we got married, we had already been dating for eight years, I think, or nine years. And so we were pretty well, you know, we had been living together already. We were in the groove. So when we got married, nothing really changed, I guess. So I didn't experience that kind of change when I got married. Um, we were actually, I had lost a lot of weight at that point. We both, my wife is a big time runner and she got me into running and I had run a half marathon. I was training for a full marathon. I was running consistently, like at least four or five miles a day. Um, and I had lost a ton of weight from that. And, but I kind of didn't realize it at the time, but had realized that after having Harper that running was great and it was helping me lose weight but I was still having my problem with eating and I never had addressed that so because I was running I could afford to eat more but I was still emotionally eating I was still kind of like using running as my um as my scapegoat to binge eat Mm -hmm. and yeah we would go for long runs and then I'd put away like a whole pizza and you know four beers and think nothing of it because I was running so much. I was like, oh, it's just fuel for tomorrow's run. Mm-hmm. But never really addressed the fact that I was having problems with eating still. And then yeah. when my when my daughter came, running, you know, stopped. Because mm-hmm. it's impossible to go for a five-mile run when you have an infant. Yes. And, yeah, and then that's kind of when, as the time went on, I started putting weight back on. And then it started coming on very quickly as, you know, Harper became like a one-year-old. And started moving around more, I started realizing that I wasn't in shape anymore because the running had stopped and the eating didn't stop. So the weight was coming back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of when I had that like awakening. I was, I realized that food was really the big problem and I didn't know how to control my eating and control my emotions enough to stop eating. And then that's when I started looking into keto and, um, and that's all she wrote. In March, I finally realized that food was the problem and I needed something to help me. Yeah. So, so that was this March. That was March of 2019. That was March of 2019. Yeah. So, uh, right before my daughter turning two, a little bit before my daughter turning two. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so when you started looking into keto, was it, I, I know you said more so like just for health purposes, but like, did you look into it to help with that control, like food control? Because I know for me, like I've told this story numerous times, but, um, people always ask me like, Oh, how are you, how are you healing an eating disorder when you're cutting out an entire food group and you're making one entire food group look bad? But 
I know for me, um, when I came to keto, it was about the weight loss. It was about like changing my lifestyle too, because I was literally addicted to foods that contain sugar. And so it was the donuts and the candies and all of those things. Um, when I was looking into it, it was, it was kind of like a, a magic pill, so to speak, because it was eliminating all of my trigger foods, all of the foods that would continue to trigger me to binge. That's one of the reasons that drew me to keto. So is that kind of the same mindset that you had or, or what was it yeah, coming into it? Absolutely. Um, so I had known a little bit about not necessarily the ketogenic diet, um, but back when I was playing football in high school, there was a diet. I forgot. Um, forgot the guy's name but it was kind of like a bodybuilding diet it was called the metabolic diet um and the name of the author is escaping me doc doctor something but i kind of and it was very similar it was along the same lines as a ketogenic diet except it was a little bit higher in protein mm -hmm. um just for for the anabolic reasons oh that's what it was, it was called the anabolic diet not the oh, metabolic okay. diet i'll have to yeah, look that book up yeah the anabolic diet and it was it was a way for um it was a study that he had did with uh, very high fat and then moderate amount of protein. So not really the same as ketogenic diet. It was a little bit higher in protein, but he wanted to see if, if bodybuilders could get the same results with diet change as they could with anabolic steroids. Um, and yeah, so I was kind of like messing around with that in high school, just trying to put on muscle. So I had, I had seen good results from a higher fat diet before, but then when I was researching the ketogenic diet, all of everybody just kind of everything that I was looking into pointed to a way of um, losing fat fast. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the reason I did it. I wanted to lose the fat fast. It wasn't really, uh, you know, kind of like you were saying, like a magic pill. But I definitely realized that like all of the foods that I loved, I wouldn't be allowed to eat. So that would help. Like I couldn't eat pizza, which is one of my favorite foods. I couldn't eat cheeseburger. I could eat cheeseburgers, but I couldn't have the bun. I couldn't have kind of all those trigger foods that um, that would lead me to eat too much of something I would have to eliminate. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has their own approach to like keto and, and the lifestyle aspect. I know I read that you are, you know, a lot of people feel like it's a diet, but you feel like it's a lifestyle and that's exactly how I feel. So, um, do you, how do you feel about people who like follow keto and, talk about cheat meals and like how what is your view on that like especially knowing that those foods are your trigger foods like do you allow yourself those things or um do you just kind of are you a I look at it as an abstainer or a moderator so like I'm an abstainer I know 100% if I were to allow those things into my life again I would it, it would open up the door for like a slippery slope whereas my husband he can kind of like you know, special occasions like cruises or vacations, he can kind of, you know, yeah, um, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he doesn't, it's not so much a, a struggle for him. How are, how is that for you? Right. So definitely I was more, um, today actually is my 120th day being keto. So That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, I, at first, when I first started, I, you know, like I said to you, I wasn't really thinking of it as a, a lifestyle at that point i was thinking of it as just a diet that i could lose weight very quickly on and i would say that it wasn't until about um it wasn't until i had lost a, a good amount a little bit of weight I, I probably had lost about 
30 pounds in my first 30 days doing the diet. And I had become very adapted to fat at that point. And then I started getting all of the other benefits, not just the weight loss. I started getting, getting the mental clarity. I started just feeling great every day, waking up with tons of energy ready to go for the day. And then at that point, I think I started switching over to it being more of a lifestyle because I, I wasn't just happy about the weight loss. That was kind of a byproduct at that point of all of these other great things I was feeling. Um, and then as time went on, I was very strict. I never let myself cheat at all. I wouldn't have, I, I would always say like I was a ketogenic dieter, but I was a little bit more kind of a carnivore. Mm-hmm. I would allow myself some carbs, like I would still eat cob salads and stuff like that. Um, but most of the time, my carbohydrates were five or below. Mm-hmm. I would eat just meat, cheese and, uh, you know, oils and, and grass fed butter. Um, so I really never cheated. It wasn't the first time I think I cheated was I started March 18th. My daughter's birthday is 10 days after my birth, even on my birthday, which is May 20th. I didn't have any cake or anything like that. I think I had some extra bacon that day <laughs> as a <laughs> celebration. But uh, my daughter's birthday is March 30th. And my wife really wanted me just to take a bite of her birthday cake. So I, that was the first time that I cheated. I had a little bite of her birthday cake. And definitely felt the sugar <laughs> like oh, I had yeah. a sugar rush yeah. after taking just that one bite but yeah I, I'm more of a of an abstainer um I will take bites of things now yeah. if I'm really like craving it but never actually like a cheat meal like I, I haven't had a cheat meal yet see and I feel like that's the right mindset to have so I say I'm an abs- abstainer but like just like you with the the child and the birthday kind of thing I had the same instance last year in September for my son's birthday um you know my mom got like the best oh my gosh the best local baker to make his cupcakes and cake and you know I I posted about it um way back when this happened I I have this term I use called memories over macros kind of thing and I'm someone who tracks macros like like religiously um I've gotten kind of out of it recently on purpose to kind of intuitively eat but I'm a tracker and so um you know along with saying keto and tracking macros I do understand that there are these instances in life where we we have these experiences and it's like you have the memories that are associated with um, what's going on. And if food is a part of that, then not feeling so guilty about indulging in that moment um, and then just kind of relishing the the memories over worrying about the actual macros worrying about the diet and you know obviously you don't want to um have the mindset where you go off the off the rails and that sends you into a you know um, yeah exactly but like you know several of my clients like july 4th was just you know a couple weeks ago and it's like they're like what do i do and i'm like well if july 4th is a family event that brings you that you make memories at and the food brings you like you know um is associated with that yeah yeah then indulge and then get right back to it tomorrow like there's nothing wrong with that um I love that actually memories of your macros that's a really awesome saying yeah and so it just it brings clarity and I think it um I think it gives us more of the 
the knowing that we're in control of all of our choices, our decisions, and that it's not like a like cut and dry. You have to be keto 100%. You have to stay strict. You have to say no. Like if if Thanksgiving and cooking, you know, um, you know, homemade mac and cheese with your grandma and eating that with her is like a thing, then don't give up that memory. Um, that that ability to make that memory with that food and feel so guilty about it, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to view it. And um, I've had a lot of people message me and ask me questions like that. And I think my typical response is, um, you know, kind of like judge the situation. I mean, I think that people, when they're, when they're first starting out on keto, I think it's really important to have that like initiation phase where you become at least somewhat fat adapted. And I don't think during that time you should really let yourself, if you're really serious about making a lifestyle change, you have to give it time to become a lifestyle rather than just a diet. So I think that you need to stick to stick to the diet at that point, because it is still a diet at that beginning phase. Yeah. Until it becomes a lifestyle and you don't even think about it because it does. And and you don't even crave those foods anymore after you're fat adapted. Yeah. You can, I can look at a pizza and I'm just like, "Eh, I don't really want that. Like, I know. It doesn't even affect me anymore. And I I think one of my posts that did very well was I said that I'm no longer a slave to food. And I I really felt that way before, before the ketogenic diet, I was a slave to food. And now I kind of broke those chains. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like memories over macros, I think, if you're in a situation where you know, like, man, that looks good, and I'm never going to get the chance to eat this again, go ahead and eat it. Like, oh, do it. Yeah. Enjoy like, the memory. Like, if you're traveling and you know you're not going to be here again, enjoy yourself and and get back right to it when you get home. But yeah, that's a great saying. I love that. Yeah, I, I think it it really just simplifies it. You know, you you have clients, or I have clients. I have people who are like, I'm going on vacation. Like I want to stay on track and, you know, and then they end up feeling guilty if they, they plan on being so strict, um, you know, and, and then they end up falling off quote unquote, but it's like, it's not, you're not, you shouldn't consider yourself falling off if you allow yourself to enjoy the, the time that you're with your family and the memories that you're making and then just getting right back to it. So that's, you know, that's one of those things that, um, that I feel like the dieting, culture I do agree 100% with you that people should be fat adapted before they allow themselves these things I cannot stand when people start keto and then they have their first cheat meal a weekend and it's like how do you expect your body to know you know that fat is its fuel source when you're still introducing carbs and you know um, yeah, you're just telling your body to, to wait for that day and then store all of that food yes. as fat so that they'll wait uh, for the next yeah yeah I, I don't like that either no. I mean you need to you need to take the time to let yourself metabolically shift into that fat adaption yeah um, but I, I think that that's a that's a whole nother um you know discussion about like knowing better and doing better knowing that like you know you have this time time period where you're learning and adapting and um, you kind of have to go through the hard part of keto and getting your body into a good state of fat adaption and then kind of exploring um, how you can trust yourself with food and, and all of those things. So, Right. And that allows you to kind of have that, um, that insight. Like, do you really want that or are you just mm-hmm. still addicted to food and, and you want it because of that? Like, exactly. now I know exactly what I, 
really like am craving and would love a bite of versus yeah. something that I'm just going to binge eat on because it's easy to eat a lot of it. Yeah, it's it's I think that's the hardest mentality for people to break is um, and, and then that's I think that they allow themselves, quote unquote, cheats too soon because they, you know, they really can't break that food addiction or that that uh, obsession with like, oh, when is my next cheat meal or when is my next treat and and not viewing food as a treat is the key to I think any successful lifestyle change for sure but um well that's awesome I did want to kind of dive in um to the whole body image that we talked about in the beginning so like as a male um it's it's I know as a female it's not easy at all to you know um to be vulnerable and transparent and to share all the struggles that I have had. But as a male, I feel like it's probably even harder because we expect men to be like tough and, um, you know, not emotional about their body. Not really. And it's kind of crazy that we expect that of men because you are humans just like, like women and you have emotions and feelings, but, um, like how, when did you first start noticing that you had body image issues and kind of how you came to terms with it and dealt with it? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that's tough for men to talk about. Um, but definitely something that a lot of men I would say go through. And, um, my issues really started after my injury with football because being big was expected when I was a football player. So no, I didn't really not that I didn't, I noticed that I was bigger, like, but I also had a lot of muscle at that time. So I was, I was a typical football player. So I didn't care that I was big. I was proud of being big. Um, but then after the injury and, and the muscle started turning to fat and I just kind of became more aware that I was no longer the football player. I was just, you know, an average guy who was really heavy. Um, I think that's when it started to take toll. And I really, I became much more aware when I was in situations where I would have to wear a t-shirt or I would have to, you know, if I had to go to the beach, forget about it. I never wanted to take my shirt off. I never wanted to be seen, you know, as the the big guy anymore because I no longer was the football player. Um, So it definitely started at that point and then worsened over the years. And so do you find that after losing like a bunch of weight and, things like that now do you still have issues with it or have you kind of like are you still battling that yeah for sure I mean there's still every every time I post to Instagram like a a side by side I always have to ask my wife I'm like is there a big enough difference because I don't I don't really see it you know I still see myself as as a big guy and I'm you know since starting keto I'm down um I'm down 58 pounds since starting keto in March so I'm I'm really low in weight, but I'm still, when I look at myself in the mirror, I still see the same person. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, seeing myself in the mirror and I still have loose skin. I still have a lot of the same like remnants of being heavier. And Mm -hmm. that, that just kind of triggers in my mind that I'm not any different than I was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I definitely still battle with it every day. Every time I make a post, I ask, I ask if there's a big enough difference because I don't see it. Yeah, no, I, I do the same thing too. Um, it's, it's so crazy how 
I can go one day feeling like, you know, feeling myself, like feeling very like confident and like, you know, whatever. And, and then the next day look in the mirror and be like, oh my gosh, I still see like 232 pound Lauren in the mirror. And it's insane to like jump back and forth between that. And people, when you try to explain it to people who don't suffer from body image issues, they're just kind of like, oh, you want sympathy or you just, you just want people, you want compliments or whatever. And it, I have to explain to people. And it's one of the things that I actually wrote in my ebook about was before I really became aware about the body dysmorphia um, that I suffered with, I sought out external validation often. I was that girl that was like, um, you know, like, oh my gosh, I feel fat, you know, wanting someone to contradict and say, no, you're not, you're gorgeous, whatever. Like I was insecure. And so I sought outside validation for the longest time until I realized that it was like all internal that I really needed to focus on like loving me, loving myself, um, really trying to figure out why I was feeling those things. And then now not needing that, that external validation, though I still suffer with it. So waking up and, and realizing like, oh, I don't feel very confident today. I see myself as bigger than I am. But then kind of turning it around immediately, like changing it to a positive thought. Like, well, I've still lost over 100 pounds and I'm, you know, my clothes are still away. I'm, you know, half the size I was two years ago. Like trying to turn it around and then get that validation from myself. Um, yeah, I absolutely. That, I think that's, that's something that all of us kind of do. I think that, you know, like when people talk about those like non-scale victories, I think mm-hmm. those are, those are all things that definitely help. Um, even, even making posts and, and the keto community on Instagram is just unbelievable. And when I'm feeling, you know, one of those days where I look in the mirror and I don't see any difference is usually the days when I'll post a transformation picture just so that, you know, I can get uplifted again by that, by the keto community. And um, I guess it's still kind of like a a crutch in a way, but it's a positive crutch instead of, you know, instead of feeling terrible about yourself and then turning to food, which is what I would used to do. No, I totally understand. Um, I, the same thing happened for me, um, you know, especially in the beginning. And I think the longer that you do this, the longer that you're, um, you know, seeing your body change and all of that. I still post transformation pictures, um, you know, because I want to inspire people, but also because I, I still like to see that, um, I'm, I'm still working on myself. I'm still trying to build muscle. I'm still trying to, um, you know, lean out and, and do all these things, but, I still want to see that change as well. And so when people comment and say that you're an inspiration or that you have helped them or, you know, whatever, I think that gives us, it's not really external validation. It's just that, um, we know that, that other people can see the, right. you know, the difference. You know that you're walking the right path and your, your journey is inspiring someone else, which is the best motivation to keep going on your own journey. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the reason why initially I started my page just as like a, a way to keep myself in track and be, you know, kind of accountable. But now it's really to, to help others. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I think that's yeah. the main reason. It's you do get some some reward by 
by hearing people, you know, say you look great or whatever. But at the same time, when you get those comments saying that you're inspiring, those that's the reason we do it. I mean, that's the reason we're putting up our successes so that somebody else can have success. Absolutely. That's exactly how it started for me. And then I ended up, um, you know, finding a passion for wanting to help other people experience the same confidence boost and the same life change that I experienced is that's one of the reasons why I um, started coaching and, and doing everything that I'm doing now. So I get it. And I admire you for putting yourself out there and, uh, and, you know, um, allowing other people to see your transformation because it's never easy. Like I get people all the time saying like, there are hundreds of pictures out there of you, um, you know, bigger and less clothing and like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, you know, if I'm posting these things and it, and it makes me uncomfortable, that's okay. Because if it helps one person to continue going or to inspire to start or to get hope that I was 232 pounds at one point, and I'm just some girl from small town, North Carolina, you know, that they can do it too. So um, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel the exact same way. Like I still, like I said, I'm still the guy that's afraid to take his shirt off at the pool and stuff, but I'll post pictures with my shirt off because mm-hmm. I feel the same way. I'm like, if I can help just one person, yeah. you know, who's on, who's on that, that cusp on the fence of, of changing their life, then it's worth it to, to be embarrassed about myself for a little while just to help that one person. Yeah, and I think that that's it's another way for us to build our our own confidence up that um you know that we're willing to to be so vulnerable and share about our own struggles and things like that. So I um commend you for sharing and I just want you to know that uh, I enjoy seeing your posts and I think you're very motivational and um you should keep doing what you're doing. So Thank you so much. Right back at you. I mean, you're a huge inspiration in the keto community and I'm so glad that we finally connected. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited too. So, um, for those who are listening that want to find out more about you, uh, where can they find you? So on Instagram, my handle is the wise keto. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram right now. I do have a website that I just posted that I'm going to be putting blog posts up on. And then also, hoping to get into the coaching and nutrition. I've had a lot of, uh, of people asking me about my plan and how to do it. So I'm planning on getting into the, the coaching and nutrition plans and all of that stuff. So that is going to be at attheWiseKeto.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. I will, I will link out to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, so people can, can just kind of click and it'll take them, them there. But I truly appreciate you taking the time to record with me today and be open and vulnerable and share your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, uh, I hope that someone out there hears it and, and starts their journey. Yeah, I definitely think they will. You've got a touching story. So, um, well, you're welcome. We will chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Lauren. You're welcome. What's up, guys? This podcast episode is sponsored by Real Good Foods. Um, They have delicious products such as cauliflower pizza crust, chicken pizza crust, enchiladas, 
chicken poppers, and my very, very favorite, the breakfast sandwiches. These items are low carb, high fat, um, and have a good amount of protein as well. They are super convenient, um, very easy to make, and just all around a great product. Um, if you are looking for convenience, these are for you. Our family loves them. We stay stocked up on them. My son is a huge lover of the cauliflower crust cheese pizza. Um, but if you want to find more about the Real Good Foods products, you can check your local grocery store. If you do not know where Real Good Food products lo are located, you can use the store finder on their website. The link is in the show notes. Um, you can also skip the grocery store um, and order directly offline if you'd like to with that link in the show notes as well. Um, and if you'd like, you can support me uh, and use code KCL15 to receive 15% off of your online order. So um, I hope you guys are, you know, going to try the real good foods at some point. They are definitely worth every penny.